Hi, welcome to Multiply Your Money, and this is episode 114. And in a couple of episodes back, I was talking about uh, delayed gratification and impulse control. And um, if you want to read a fascinating book um, on this topic, there's a book called The Marshmallow Test by Walter Mischel, who did the original um, uh, research on uh, impulse control and delay, the ability to delay gratification. He did that back in the early 1960s. And, but basically, impulse control is where you want something and you go, you know what, I could have that later. For example, great example is the reason you're, if you're sitting there, um, wherever you're sitting and you're not peeing your pants right now, basically you're demonstrating impulse control. Okay, so if, you've got, if you are sufficiently toilet trained, uh, you're demonstrating impulse control, okay? And also, you're delaying gratification. But if we talk about um, spending of money, right, then uh, impulse control is saying, you know what, I don't need to spend my money, I'll, I'll save that money, I'll do something else with it. Now, um, Walter Mischel, when he did these tests with these kids, the test was basically he had preschoolers and he took them into a pretty pretty empty sort of room which just had a table. And on that table was a tray and there were two plates. And one of the plates had one marshmallow on it and the other plate had two marshmallows on it. And in the centre of the tray was a bell. And the test was, look, if you want, you can have one marshmallow right now, but you've got to ring the bell, right? And you can eat that marshmallow right now. But if you wait, you can have the two marshmallows, right? And... So uh, basically, uh, the, the researcher then left the room and there was a two-way mirror where they could observe what the kids did. And we're talking about preschoolers, right? About three, uh, four and five-year-olds. And so uh, Michel then observed whether they, the child could self-regulate their impulses, okay? Um, and the really interesting thing that he's shown ever since when they've done longitudinal studies, the kids that could wait actually uh, had a very different life track to those kids that couldn't control their impulses. Now, where we see this coming to its own is where you have a very tempting device like a credit card, which allows you to then to go out and not resist a temptation. So you see something you want, you just buy it, right? Um, where we've had credit functions so you can get a store charge card and you can buy something. If you want it, you can get it right now. So when I was a kid growing up, if you wanted something, you either had to save up for it or you put it on what was called layaway or lay-by and you would pay it off. So I bought a bike once and I was paying that bike off. It was $15 and for, to buy this bike and I was paying off 50 cents at a time. And I got really inventive like I... Um, started washing cars and mowing lawns and things like that. So I was able to go down and pay $2 off or maybe $3. And if I wanted to buy um, a record, there was a record I wanted to buy. Believe it or not, it was the Double White album by the Beatles. And it was $4.99. And I thought, God, that's a lot of money. And I went back and I put the record aside and I lay-bied it. Okay, And I bought it off. I paid it off like 50 cents at a time until I could walk out of the shop and own it. And that's how I bought stuff. Nowadays, credit card, you want something, you go buy it. But that comes with a cost. The cost is that you have to um, 
if you, you yes you can buy it but you've got late fees if you don't pay off the 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 money owed at the end of the the month or the end of the 55 days Michel was interested in how do children that small prevent themselves from giving in to their impulses and there was a Canadian cognitive psychologist called Daniel uh, Berlin who distinguishes between two aspects of any stimulus. So he says, firstly, attempting appetitive stimulus, and I'm reading from the marshmallow test, okay? Uh, it's page 34. So they're looking at the science of why this works. Attempting appetitive stimulus has a consuming, arousing, motivating quality. It makes you want to eat the marshmallow. And when you do, it's pleasurable, right? And secondly, there are cues that give information about its non-emotional cognitive features. It's round, it's white, it's thick, it's soft, it's edible, it's yummy. So the effect of that combined stimulus, right, um, will depend on how we represent it mentally. So an arousing representation focuses on motivation, motivating hot qualities of the stimulus, the chewy, sweet quality of the marshmallows, the sweet taste, uh, the mouth appeal, all that sort of stuff, right? Uh, the inhaled cigarette smoke for a tobacco addict. And what what he called that was a hot focus um, because it automatically triggers this impulsive reaction to eat or to smoke or to drink or to shop or to buy, right? It's called a hot trigger, okay? Um, by contrast, a cool representation, cool triggers, right, focus on more abstract cognitive informational aspects of the stimulus. It's round, it's wide, it's soft, it's small. It doesn't really tell you what it's like or what your experience of that will be. So it doesn't make it as tempting. And it allows you to think cool about it rather than just grab it. So Michel's looking at these kids and he was looking at their strategies for, for resisting the impulse of something. And what he noticed was the kids that um, couldn't wait to eat the marshmallow, uh, when they were talking it out loud, there were hot triggers. You know, they were talking about how yummy it was, uh, how sweet it was going to be, right? And the kids that could wait used cool triggers, okay? So um, the emotions of the representation uh, that the, that the preschooler was experiencing affected how soon they would ring the bell. And it works for adults exactly the same way. So the emotional representation you have around something will impact how effectively uh, you can repress the impulse. Um, one of the things that he asked the kids was, um, you know, should we cover up the marshmallows or leave them exposed? And for very young children, they said, oh, no, I want to see the marshmallows. Well, what he's shown is that particular strategy is not a really good strategy because it's there's a lot of wisdom to out of sight out of mind so if you're thinking i must have it i must have it you're at a window looking at a shop you know uh note down the details and then walk away out of sight out of mind actually works right um or you find some way to actually delay the gratification delay that so um you know what what Michel found, for example, was the self-talk that young children have. So if they said, look, um, 
you know, a little bit of self-coaching. Like, if I wait, I'll be able to have two marshmallows later. If I just wait, so I'll just wait. I'll look somewhere else so I so I don't think about the marshmallows. I'll try and think about something else. I'll think about going into outer space or I'll think about a cartoon that I've been watching, right? So it's anything that you can do, like self-talk-wise, to distract yourself from the impulse, the thing that's giving you the impulse, right? Um, he found that youngsters uh, could actually do that. You know, uh, most children, if they were taught the difference between hot and cold triggers, um, were the kids that could actually delay gratification a lot easier than children who weren't taught these triggers. So there's a lot that's said about if you think, oh, I really, really want something, then what you're doing is it's a hot trigger because you're focusing all your attention on the thing that you want, right? But if you said, look, I really want that, but I'm going to think about saving up the money or I'm going to think about, I'm going, to think about going for a walk this afternoon or I'm going to think about a friend that I've got to call, you're using cool triggers to distract you from, from the thing that you want. That's, that's what uh, is used to control impulses. Um, so... Uh, for example, um, sex addicts, for example, or uh, pornography addicts, for example, uh, are taught these cognitive tools to suppress their impulses, impulse control, okay? their actual strategies. Um, it doesn't help to look at the thing that you want. That's what, that's what Michel discovered. And he found that the kids that could control their impulses would certainly remind themselves, yeah, I've got this goal, but then they would distract themselves and think about or do something else. And he found that the half-life of a, of a desire was very, very short. Once you distracted yourself, the half-life of that is quite easy. So you might say something like, I'm going to go away and have a coffee and make some notes about this, or I'm going to go and do something else, and then if I remember, I'll come back and have a look at it again or I'll think about it. Um, this is a really interesting one to go back on, but the science of impulse control and the ability to delay gratification is well worked out. Uh, particularly, I'm interested in how you can use that to control spending, to reallocate your spending, to get smarter choices. Because once the hot triggers occur, your ability to suppress the desire um, becomes less and less and less. And we know that from a simple test like do you, want a, do you want one marshmallow now or do you want two marshmallows if you wait? From that very simple experiment, um, we learn a lot about the ability to delay gratification and control impulses. And that is of particular interest to me as to how it relates to managing money and multiplying money. Hope you've enjoyed this episode. Please share it. Thank you.